Good morning and welcome to Mystery Bible. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. We have been looking at the Exodus, and we're looking at the Exodus from a couple of pointers, uh, or vantage point, if you will. The first that we looked at was from the biblical point of view, from the Bible, and the other we looked at the legend of the Jews. And there are a couple other sources that we've been looking at from the beginning of our podcast. We've been looking at several sources. I know that I've always been trying to educate you guys about these different sources that I'm pulling uh, stuff from. The Book of Yasher, The Legend of the Jews, uh, Josephus. We're looking at the historical aspect of the Exodus. We're pulling from the Bible, showing the historical um, vantage point from the Bible as well. So that when we look at that story in the entirety of it from different point of view, we get some additional information that is not listed within the Bible. So we are going to take a peek today at, uh, we're going to look at um, the book of Yasher, which I promised you guys for us to look at. But I wanted to educate you. There's so many different sources that is out there of material when it comes to dealing with Christianity and all of these different works of um, religious writings, if you will. We have those that are in the canon, what we call the canon, the 64 books. And then we have the Apocryphas, and we have a few other um, uh, uh, pieces that are found within the Dead Sea Scroll. The Dead Sea Scroll is uh, has given to us many other um uh, documentation of stuff that is in there. We, uh, there's the Book of Giants. There's a bunch of other things there that when you look into the Dead Sea Scroll, as they begin to excavate more and more information, we are learning so much. Um, the Maccabees, we know 3 and 4, Psalms 151, uh, the Edras. Uh, these are uh, um, canons. These are following uh, other uh, uh, vantage points, if you will, that are available for additional studies. You have the Book of Jubilees, which we talk about, which is an Ethiopian um, translation of it. We know that Corinthians, Third Corinthians, there's, uh, if you read the Book of Corinthians, you know that Paul had said that there was another that was written, and stuff like that is out there. The Epistle of Barnabas, we know that these guys... Um, have been putting out a lot of stuff. But the canon books we have in the Apocryphas, the Tobit, uh, there's other different sources out there that I suggest you guys get an, uh, go find them and, and learn, you know. And so I do that. I do that here. I try to bring other vantage point to you guys so you can see a, um, a more robust story, as they say. So we have been focusing, as you see, the Exodus. And so the exodus from the historian, we know that the Bible said that when they were leaving, they're going to be leaving wealthy and all of these different things. And I personally believe that there is some, um, the Bible talks about a worker is worthy of his hire. And so I believe that there's a principle within there that God was causing a lot of this to, is like uh, they were being repaid for the work that they were being done, that was being done. And uh, I think that's a part of it. And I know a lot of in our society today lose their mind over that. But America has done that. They've done that with the Japanese. They've done that with several different uh, races. But there is this thing within the atmosphere within America that uh, doesn't want to bend, if you will, when it comes to those of the African descent. But this is not something that is new. We see these principles out here back with the Egyptians 
and they're leaving with the wealth of the Egyptians as a result, and I actually believe that that's a part of it. So let's look at, we've been looking at um, the uh, Josephus, which we're going to say, uh, we looked at briefly parts of it. I think we pulled that out of Josephus when we were doing the Bible, because I wanted you guys to see when the Bible says, when God says they're going to be leaving rich, I wanted you to see how the world interpret what the Bible had said. And so we see the world, be, meaning those that are non-Christian, we know that uh, our non-Christian-like belief system, um, they uh, Josephus was giving a historic part of it, and we see that he's talked about it just being handed over to them and so forth. So we are in chapter 81 in um, the book of Yasher. And this, uh, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to, I know that this is going to be some time because they have so much more information as to the breakdown as to who left, how they left, the tribes and all those different things, which is really fascinating to me. Um, and I hope it is to you as well. And I want to just take a break right here and thank you guys for sharing and growing the podcast. It is growing and I appreciate everything that you're doing. I pray I, that you guys just like and, and subscribe, man. I really would like to grow this channel and have, I'm having a lot of fun with it and I'm hope that you're having a lot of fun also. So we are in chapter 81 and we are going to read that. I know uh, when I first started the podcast, I was just giving you guys highlights of things and just, uh, I do all the study and then, you know, uh, but when I started with the, the sons of Jacob, I realized that I was rushing and there was so much more information in the story of these men that it was not fair to you that I just ran through it. And I know many of you guys are very busy and you don't have the time to read all of these things that I am studying and reading um, because I, I kind of, uh, you know, that's what I do now. And so I try to do the reading for you. And I know my pronunciation is probably half half you guys on the floor laughing, but uh, I mean well. My intention is good. So let's read chapter 81 of the book of Yasher to get a context of what they saw when they were leaving um, Egypt. And it says, And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, which is a good set of people, um, besides the little ones and their wives. And you remember that from our reading that every time the Egyptians tried to suppress the growth of the population, it actually expanded uh, we know that they killed a bunch of kids and all that kind of stuff as we begin to uh, look into this. But we see that the total amount of it, according to this um, source, is 600,000 men on foot besides the little ones and their wives. And so we can surmise that there's a lot of people, if you will. Also, a mixed multitude went up with them, flocks and herds, even much cattle. And when we read, we'll see that some of the Egyptians also went. We know that his mother, uh, Pharaoh's uh, daughter, went with him. Uh, and so uh, there is other people other than the Jewish population. And they sojourned the children of Israel who dwelt in the land of Egypt in a hard labor was too 
110 years. So they're bringing a lot of cattle, and uh, we see that um, there is a 210 years of hard labor, and I believe they were paid back when they were leaving. So, and at the end of the 210 years, the Lord brought forth the children of Israel from Egypt with a strong hand, and we saw the strong hand is in reference to all the plagues that took place. And the children of Israel traveled from Egypt and from Goshen and from Ramses and encamped in Sukkot on the 15th day of the first month. And the children of Israel traveled from Sukkot and encamped in Ephron at the end of the wilderness. And on the third day, after the Egyptians had buried their firstborn, many men rose up from Egypt and went after Israel to make them return to Egypt, for they repented that they had sent Israelites away from their servitude. Buyer's remorse, we call it in, 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 in the car industry, if you will, when I used to sell cars as a young man. So you have the buyer remorse, and that's when you buy things and you are... Um, you know, you're remorseful that you did that. But what this does, and it shows um, the children of Israel, and we've talked about this thing about uh, the divine influence upon the heart and the benefit that it brings to an individual. And we saw that it tells us that it was God who was orchestrating this entire process. Um, even um, Pharaoh thought he was orchestrating it because he was denying and all this kind of stuff. But God had told Moses that he was going to do that until he killed his son because God saw it as a, um, that he was attempting also to kill his kids. So it was a father actually turning on another leader to destroy his people where he was trying to destroy each other, if you want to put it down to that level. But here is uh, this God that we've been talking about orchestrating the situations that are happening within the world at that time. And I've said to you guys, there is a timetable that God has set up. We are living what it's called in the age of grace. The age of grace has a time limit. Jesus Christ instituted that beginning of the age of grace, and it ends at the millennium age, which is the entrance, uh, that's after the, um, the, uh, tells us that in the end time that, you know, that uh, lawless man, the Bible calls him, um, and uh, he will come, and everyone knows him as a different name, and so everyone is looking for him when he shows up. But when he comes and Jesus ends that age, when he shows up to judge, when he, uh, the Antichrist and all of his armies attacking Israel. They're going to break their defense in Israel, and they're going to get into the city of Israel. And said at that point, Jesus comes, and uh, he begins to judge them. He's going to speak a word. It says, and their skins are going to melt. You remember um, Indiana Jones? It's something like that. Um, and so, uh, and then someone, it says someone is going to recognize that he has the piercing in his hand and they're going to start to, again, to cry, oh, this is our Messiah and so forth and so forth. So that is what it looks like. But when Jesus comes, he does that. He makes that judgment. He is going to initiate the next age, which is the millennium age. So this particular age right here is going to come to an end. But God is the orchestrator of it because it's his timeline. Because Jesus says, I don't know 
the time, but I can give you guys the season and so forth, but I don't know the time. So then it's God's timeline. He has the ability to then um, divinely influence the man's heart so he can get leaders around the world to do whatever he wants to accomplish his timeline. They're not in charge, guys. God is, doesn't matter how bad a boy is. Back in the day, Pharaoh was bad, and he thought he was bad, but he was simply being used by God. He's a servant of God, just like the devil is. He's a servant of God. Nothing outside of God is above him. So um, just know this, and you could have a certain peace about that, if you will. So we see in, according to chapter 81, they're having some problems. They had the buyer's remorse. And one man said to his neighbor, surely Moses and Aaron spoke to Pharaoh, saying, We will go three days' journey in the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God. And we know he did say that. Now, therefore, let us rise up early in the morning and cause them to return. And it shall be that if they return with us to Egypt to their masters, then shall we know there is faith in them. But if they will not return... Then we will fight with them and make them come back with great power and a strong hand. These guys are going to, and again, you remember God says he was going to deliver them with a mighty hand. And they are seeing, they saw some of it within that 10 plague difference. And we know from other sources it was more than that. Um, but um, let's continue that. And we all know what it is because it's historical fact that that parting of the Red Sea. And so that is where... But as I've been saying to you guys about the story and the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt. This is a natural story about a spiritual progression, a spiritual journey that every man and every woman must undergo. And so uh, when you're, when we're reading this, we're going to stop from time to time and uh, link it so you could see what I'm talking about. And so we see that these men have made up their mind and they are going to come against God and his kids. And so it tells us that uh, these are mere men, and uh, they don't understand who they are. And it tells us in the book of Psalms, it says, these men will rage against God, and God is going to laugh at them. And so we see, we're going to see how he laughs at them. So now, therefore, let us rise up early in the morning and cause them to return, and it shall be that if they return with us to their masses, then shall we know that there is a faith in them. And so when he said, if they're not going to come, we're going to fight with strong hand. And all the nobles of Pharaoh rose up in the morning, and with them about 700,000 men. And they went forth from Egypt on that day and came to the place where the children of Israel were. So we see this is a powerful grouping of people, the nobles, and the entire army. It didn't say entire, it just said about 700,000 men. So that's a pretty good size, folks, when we saw earlier that there were 600,000 men on foot besides the little ones and their wives. So you would say this is a vast um, army coming at them. And let's see how they behave as a result. Because all of those things, remember, they were programmed for several hundred years to think that they were less than slaves, if you will. And so most of us are slaves in our, uh, when we look at ourselves, we see ourselves as slaves. We don't see ourselves as who we truly are. 
And when you get that revelation, it takes time. Um, and we suffer, we make um, uh, decisions that is contrary to who we are. And we pay for it. There's a scripture that talks about it in Psalms. It says, you, you were created as gods, and, but you will die like mere men. And that's the, that's the dichotomy within mankind is that we are, through Jesus, we have an opportunity to explore the fact that we were created like God. And we have to learn how to operate as the sons of God. So let's uh, continue this uh, uh, conversation, if you will. And we see that 700,000 men that is coming to them. And it says, And all the Egyptians saw that, and behold, Moses and Aaron and all the children of Israel sitting before um, Hirot, eating and drinking and celebrating the feast of the Lord. Now, therefore, the dark, the day made five days since you went. Why do you not return to your masses? So this is where these guys show up. He says, now, therefore, um, and all the Egyptians said to the children of Israel, surely you said, we will go a journey of three days in the wilderness and sacrifice our God and return. And now, therefore, this day makes five days since you went. Why do you not return to your masters? And Moses and Aaron answered them, saying, Because the Lord our God has testified in us, saying, You shall no more return to Egypt, but we will betake ourselves to a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord our God had sworn to our, our ancestors to give us. And we know, as I mentioned to you guys, this is, this particular land belonged to the, um, Seth and his family. When uh, Moses, not Moses, when um, uh, we had uh, Noah and his sons, when they came after the flood, and it was they were splitting up the land, divvying up this, the the earth, the planet, if you will. And um, Canaan, uh, from uh, he decided that he was going to go and take that particular property, and Ham and his brothers, Canaan brothers, and so forth, telling him, "Don't do it." that God will judge you for that, to move to the land that we had agreed on. So that land that he had stolen was theirs, rightfully theirs. And so God was just taking them back to regain what was rightfully theirs that Canaan usurped when they were splitting up the property of the planet Earth, if you will, at that time. And so that's what this is. Uh, God is pretty um, detailed. He, de- he does everything in details. Take a look at the planet. He, um, it tells us that a thousand years is, um, a day is like a thousand years with the Lord. And when you look at that, uh, and I always use this and say dog days and years and so forth when we're dealing with God and, and, and men. So if it's like a thousand years with him, one day is like a thousand years. And he made the earth in seven days. See what I'm saying? So... You had to have someone that was very meticulous in what he was doing. It took him, in our time, 7,000 years to put it together for us. So, And then after he was finished, he said, this is good stuff, man. And he gave it to us to be gods, and we messed it up. So anyway, let's go back, and we're looking at this conversation that the children of Israel is having with um, the Egyptians as to why they should go back. And Moses made them aware that God said we ought to be moving through this land, going back to our um, our property, basically. And um, 
he had promised this and he gave him the history he had promised this to our ancestors and so we're going there and so this is the response of the egyptian and when the nobles of the egyptians saw that the children of israel did not hearken to them to return to egypt they girded themselves to fight with israel and the lord strengthened the hearts of the children of israel over the egyptians that they gave them a severe beating and the battle was sore upon the egyptian and all the egyptians fled from before the children of Israel, for many of them perish by the hands of Israel. So we are watching, and this information, again, we're getting a different vantage point. The Bible doesn't go into much detail, but we're seeing here through the book of Yasher that there is a battle before the Red Sea, and I guess the Red Sea was the finishing touch, if you will, was to close it out. Um, again, we've been looking and talking that the Exodus is a natural incident that represents a spiritual journey that one must go through when one is going through in your relationship with God because you have to, um, all the programming that we have received from outside people, uh, we have to learn how to put that aside to deal with the new programming from a relationship with someone. When you are in a relationship with someone, what, what are you doing? You're creating a new program. And uh, so when you spend time with, uh, with God, you're creating a new program within yourself. You are um, and we talked about this before, you are a spirit, soul, and body, and you're reprogramming your soul, if you will, from the information that you're spending time. And so that's what we do when we are there. So we see that in, according to the book of uh, Yasher, they had a battle before, and the nobles of Egypt went to, to Egypt and told Pharaoh, saying, the children of Israel have fled and will no more return to Egypt. And in this manner did Moses and Aaron speak to us. And Pharaoh heard this thing, and his heart, the hearts of all his subjects were turned against Israel. And they repented that they had sent Israel, and all the Egyptian, Egyptian advised Pharaoh to pursue the children of Israel to make them come back to their burden. So we see that there's a battle before the ultimate destruction of the army. And I think he would have to do something like that so because they would be relentless. And it could be said because God knows us, it could be that he had to do something like this, all this battle to bring him to that place to make sure that he finally uh, do this destruction in front of the children of Israel again because he did say he was going to bring them out with a mighty hand. So they have they didn't know anything about him. you got to remember um, you know, they, it was just, uh, they were slaves. And so they just had a few priests here and there. Moses, his father was one of them and so forth, but they weren't the children of Israel as a group, um, was not, they knew of him, but they are getting a personal relationship with him or exposure to, and the Bible tells us that in, in the book of, I think Psalms where, uh, the psalmist is talking about to Moses, you show your, to the children of Israel, you show your acts, your mighty hand, or your power, in that sense. And uh, But Moses, you showed him your ways. And so there are two different uh, type of relationship that one can have with God. As we are talking about, this is a natural experience of a spiritual. So there's different types of relationship you could have God where you're seeing his ways versus just his acts. But that is your choice.
And so we see that Pharaoh, um, now their hearts are going to be hardened and they're going back to finish the job, if you will. Verse 20 says, And they said to each man to his brother, What is this we have done that we have sent Israel from uh, the servitude? And the Lord strengthened the hearts of all the Egyptians to pursue the Israelites, for the Lord desired to overthrow the Egyptian in the Red Sea. And I told you guys, it makes sense. It's a great setup because he has to get rid of them because they will continually pursue them. And so where you have this chasm of separation where we are going through and the fact that it's called the Red Sea and we're going to go into the spiritual aspect of the Red Sea being being you we get through to the other side if you will through the blood of Jesus Christ and that is representative of the Red Sea and so you walk from one side to the other and you get your salvation because they will be saved by this um you know this act of them walking through being cleansed if you will because the bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb in the book of revelation so this is you guys see how this is tying in to all of those things that i'm saying to you about a spiritual um process that we're watching within this particular event that is that happened many years ago and you're seeing as we're walking through this this study the control who is causing the man's heart to react a certain way the bible says that the heart of the king or the heart of every individual is in the hand of god and so when your heart is in the hand of god and he wants you to do something to fulfill his will you're going to do it he doesn't violate the will but what he does is influence the heart by a thought because he he made us and so he knows how to influence the heart like a woman knows how to influence a, a man by a touch a look a man also knows how to influence a, a woman and so that influence is seen in relationships with men and women all day and based on the type of influence the man does to the woman or the woman to man that person makes a decision and so did the person violate the will no you still had the choice whether to do it or not but that that um, your heart was influenced and you leaned towards that decision so the key then is to find out who's influencing your heart for what purpose so we see then that this um, these guys now are upset, and so they're going to go finish the job according to uh, verse 21. And the Lord strengthened the hearts of all the Egyptians to pursue the Israelites, for the Lord desired to overthrow the Egyptian in the Red Sea. And I swear to you guys, I believe all of this was done to show you and I the spiritual aspect of what was going through here, the blood, the representation of the blood, the Red Sea. Why the Red Sea? He could have picked another area. But anyway, here we go. And Pharaoh rose up and harnessed his chariots, and he ordered all the Egyptians to assemble. Not one man was left, excepting the little ones and the women. So we are seeing now that the first set of people that went out, the first army, was 700,000 men. We know they lost a bunch there within that particular battle. They went back to Pharaoh, and now he's taking everybody. Let's go do this. Um... 
as they say, let's get ready to rumble in the uh, the arena. So now let's see what goes on as we're looking at this point, uh, the vantage point of all of the people within these. So these are the leaders. The people are just moving back and forth, but these are the leaders that are guiding the people as we see it within our quote-unquote uh, society today. As you have the leaders leading the people. And it says, And all the Egyptians went forth from Pharaoh to pursue the children of Israel, and camp around Egypt was exceedingly large and heavy camp, about 10,000 men. And the whole of the camp went and pursued the children of Israel to bring them back to Egypt, and they reached them encamping by the Red Sea. Why God put them there? Because he said he desired to overthrow the Egyptians in the Red Sea, whose will is being done with all of these leaders puffing out God's will. Jesus said something, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we got no choice, guys. And the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and beheld all the Egyptians pursuing them, and the children of Israel were greatly terrified at them. And the children of Israel cried to the Lord, I want you guys to take a look at that because this is a really interesting piece that one has to always remember that that spirit of fear is something that is familiar to all of us because when Adam the first Ad, when Adam fell the thing that he mentioned was I was afraid and so it is a hallmark of being away from God fear is the premier force that operates outside of God. And so when they saw that, the initial response was fearfulness. But the corresponding action to fear getting in, and most of us are like that, when we uh, when fear hits us, everyone starts to pray, and especially when it comes to sicknesses, disease, and death, and all those different things. When fear comes, you become fearful first, and then we hit the knees, if you will. And they cried unto the Lord. And on account of the Egyptian, the children of Israel divided themselves into four divisions. And they were divided in their opinion, for they were afraid of the Egyptian, and Moses spoke to each of them. The first division was the children of Reuben, Simeon, Issachar, and they resolved to cast themselves into the sea, for they were exceedingly afraid of the Egyptian. This is some serious fearfulness, guys. And Moses said to them, Fear not. And that phrase, fear not, uh, if those who are reading their Bible, that's all over the pages of the Bible, um, fearfulness, because as I mentioned to you, it is one of the most powerful force that governs the world. It is governed, it's a face-based belief system, and politicians use fear to cause people to act and do things that they wouldn't do in other way, in other, you know, situation because it's a very powerful way. I always tell people that when you become emotional, when you are led by your emotions, you will be controlled by any person. And let's take a, for instance, for one situation. And I'll just walk with me for a minute. Here you have within the, and, and again, I'm bringing this story to make a, um, just to show you, the power of one's emotion. We have a gentleman by the name in history that's called Hitler back in in the 40s and so forth. And he came up with a um, 
a belief system that believe that the white race is superior to all all the others and so forth. And he is a Jew, a descendant of Jew. And one of the tenets of the white supremacy belief is that the Jew, they hate the Jew. Yet here is a Jew man, half Jew if you will, that has black hair, short uh, brown eyes and all of different features that he is telling them is inferior to a different set of features that he is telling them is superior. And here you, when you look at those videos and you see the charisma of this man is causing all of this emotion to be, um, you, you see it. I mean, I, I've looked at those tapes and you see this emotional people screaming or whatever. They have vacated the space of logic and logic is not there to assist them. They're controlled by and driven by emotions. And when you are driven by emotion and not logic, you will allow a Jewish, a Jewish man that is telling you that you are the superior race and you are letting an inferior man lead a race that is superior to him. That is emotion. Now, if someone had their logic, they would look at that man and shoot him because he is inferior to what he's teaching them. And so you have a race, a belief system that is saying that the white race is superior over others. Okay? And when you look at most of those guys because of the history of man, and I guarantee you when most of them do blood tests and so forth, they'll know that, wait a minute, you're not pure, bro. We are all not pure. And so you are spewing a situation because your emotions are in charge and your logic has vacated your space or your life and you will always be controlled by someone. You are a servant and not a master. A master is in control of his logic and his emotion. But when you surrender one and give ownership to you, especially the one of the emotion, you are lost. You are a servant. Why? Because you're governed by fear. You're governed by your emotion. You have become a weak individual. And so he says that Moses comes to them and says, Hey guys, shut that down. He says, Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And you'll see that combination all through um, when you're reading the Bible and all those different things. It's standing still. That is one of the hardest things for a human being to do in a situation. That means that individual, when you stand still in your situation, that means you have surrendered quite a lot. You've surrendered your ability, your logic, your, your everything about you. You have surrendered and you are now giving the leadership. You're giving the control to someone. That is one of the hardest space for a human being to be. And to do that, you have to believe, <laughs> you know, you have to trust. So it says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will affect this day for you. So God is going to do something for you, but you have to surrender. That is hard because we want to do, we want, uh, we're bent on fixing it. We want to do something to help, if you will. And uh, when we help in our ability is always ineffective and it always damages our, um, our salvation, if you will. And so we see, he says that the second division of the children of Zebulun 
Benjamin and Naphtali, they also resolved to go back to Egypt with the Egyptians. And Moses said to them, Fear not, for as you have seen the Egyptians this day, so shall you see them no more. Why? Because it tells us that God desired to overthrow the Egyptians at the Red Sea. And so he has the conduit, this man Moses, that he needs on the planet Earth, conduit, which we all are, who are Christians, so that God can utilize and talk to the other men and women around here. So his conduit is saying to the, to the people, chill, relax, don't be afraid of these guys. And he says, watch it. And Moses said to them, fear not, for as you have seen Egyptian this day, so shall them, you see them no more. And the third division of the children of Judah and Joseph, and they resolved to go to meet the Egyptians to fight with them. So we're seeing the behavior and the mindset of the different tribes, because each and one of these guys are tribes, the different um, tribes of people within the Egyptian. We got a couple of fighters. We got a couple of ones that want to drown themselves. We got a couple of them that want to go back. And so Moses is standing there preaching one sermon all the time. Fear not, be still, sit down, relax. And so we see all the craziness going on. And Moses said to them, stand in your place, for the Lord will fight for you, and you shall remain silent. As I said, you have this group that wants to shake it down, if you will, that wants to do the business, and he's still coming to them and says, stand still, don't, don't go in your ability God wants this. Because why? Because for the Lord desires to overthrow the Egyptians in the Red Sea. This is not has nothing to do with you. It is God desires to do it. And so you just have to sit down and watch. And the fourth division of the children of Israel, the Levi, Gad, and Asher, and they resolved to go in the midst of the Egyptians to confound them. And Moses said to them, Remain in your station and fear not. The same sermon, only call upon the Lord that he may save you out of, your, of their hand. And this, again, guys, this is a natural story dealing with spiritual stuff. In your life, this is how you get your victory. You cry to God in the midst of your problem. And this Moses rose up from the midst of the people and he prayed to the Lord and said, and I love uh, reading their prayers. So now let's take a look at this man's prayer because you know how all these religious people get up there that, oh, mighty Lord, that's crazy stuff, man. Uh, if if I was a God, I surely would turn off and I look at what is they doing? You know, that's just absolutely crazy. So I like to see what people pray and how they pray because it shows you a lot about the people. It says, O Lord God of the whole earth, save now your people whom thou didst bring forth from Egypt. So we're going to break this down. It says, and watch the how, okay? O Lord God, you are the God of the whole earth. You're making the announcement as to who he is. You're declaring the power, the majesty of God. You are the creator of the earth. Save now your people whom thou didst bring forth from Egypt. You're reminding God of something that he had done or promised you. And that's why I say you go into the word and you grab the scriptures and you're now reminding God of something that he had promised you in the scriptures. 
And let not the Egyptians boast that power and might are theirs. Don't allow the enemy's power, his schemes, his plans to triumph over yours. So the Lord said to Moses, that's it, that was his prayer. But watch the breakdown of the prayer. Acknowledge God as to who he is. Remind him of his words, his promise, and so forth. And not to allow the enemy to have victory. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry unto me? Speak to the children of Israel that they shall proceed, they shall proceed and do, uh, do thou stretch out your rod upon the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall pass through. And Moses did so, and he lifted up his rod upon the Red Sea and divided it. And we talked about this. And so, um, one of my, one of my favorite movies, uh, and I've, you guys heard me talk about it all the time, Mel Brooks, he, um, History of the World Part One. And he is um, standing with his hand up in the air on this rock. And then you have the scene where somebody's robbing him. And um, he, he begins to speak with him with his Yiddish kind of tongue. I love that thing. But we're seeing here that Moses, okay, uh, he is now going to walk by faith. Because this whole thing is faith. Because he has to believe God says, take that stick, put it, lift it up in the air, and the sea will part. Why? Because God desires to destroy them, the Egyptians are overthrow the Egyptian at the Red Sea. So you and I have to do by faith because God has a plan that he wants to do, but he needs the conduit by which people are going to see who he is. And so guys, I want to thank you. We're going to stop here and we're going to pick up next week right here. But it's been really, really a good time just chatting with you again because I wanted to take the time to show you that this natural thing is a spiritual progression that happens in our life on a daily basis. And so we have to learn because we are being delivered from situations constantly here and there. And so I want to thank all of you guys that support us here at um, uh, Mystery Bible. I thank you for sharing and helping us grow. And those that are supporting us financially, I absolutely, I am honored that you are, um, that you are willing to share some of your hard labor and the time in your your money that you have and that you would uh, offer it to me to share and be a part of it and I thank you so much and I do um, from the bottom of my heart thank you and I continue to pray for you guys while we are here on this earth. The purpose of us here is so we are learning who we are so that we can be effective men and change this world.